0: been spending the, our time together during the month of January here in 2021, learning to pray dangerous prayers. Craig Groeschel came out with his book uh, last year, and it's a reminder that God wants to stretch us in our prayer life, and he goes through a series of dangerous prayers, and we've been through, already. Right, Lord, I want you to search me, and that's dangerous because you invite God to search you, he'll probably find something that needs to be worked on, and then God, break me of any bad habits, bad thinking, make me fruitful. And then today we're going to look at the whole, another dangerous prayer, and that is, Lord, send me. And that's dangerous because if we're going to ask God to send us, then we got to say, Lord, you can send me wherever, whenever to do whatever you want me to do. That's a blank check with my life because I trust you more than I trust myself. Now, if that sounds intriguing to you, and I hope it does, we're going to talk about that today, what God's Word says about being the kind of people that He can send. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, I just uh, thank you for Craig Groeschel. I pray that you will bless his ministry. He came out with a powerful book last year. And Lord, it's challenged me, and I want it to challenge all of us today as we look at the prayer of send me. God, I want to be a person that when you call me, I'm ready to go whenever, wherever, to do whatever you want me to do. And that's, that's quite a bit to think about. So, Lord, as we look at your word today, I pray that you'll speak and move me out of the way. And help us all be people ready to be sent by you. In the name of Christ, we pray these things. Amen. I want to welcome everybody who's joining us online as well. I do want to remind us before we jump into the prayer of Send Me, I want to say this, though, that God wants us to pray about all of our needs. We are talking about prayers that stretch us, and that's important, but I don't ever want you to think that it's not important to pray about everything. We need to pray the, these uh, dangerous prayers, but we also need to pray about the power bill, about kids being sick, about our future, about, um, I don't know, relationships with our neighbors, whatever it might be. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 7. Ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? Well, if you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And before I say another word, I just want to make sure That, even though we're talking about prayers that will greatly stretch us today, there is, God wants us to pray about everything. Everything. Because He loves us. And He knows this world can be a hard place. And He knows that we don't know what we're doing. And He loves to come and answer those prayers. So, we need to pray about everything. But the next point in your outline is where I want to go today. But God also wants us to pray dangerous prayers. If I'm asking God to help me with this or help me with that, those are things I'm asking God to do for me. And they're important. We just talked about that. But there are other prayers we can pray that maybe we've never prayed. God, this isn't something I want you to do for me. This is something I want you to do with me. I want you to use me. I want you to send me. Well, that's completely different. And that's another level of prayer. And it gets really dangerous because we have to trust God more than we trust ourselves. He's not going to explain everything to us. And when he calls us to do something, he's going to call us, and then we're going to have to trust him to work it all out as we go. And this is a step of faith. So today, I just want to... Talk about that, and I thought a good way to approach it is the way that uh, Rochelle approached it here in the book, where he talked about the response of three different prophets in the Old Testament when God called them. And this is one thing we need to appreciate the Bible is a real book, and it talks about real people. I mean, this isn't a spin on history. In fact, as we go through these three prophets, you'll see the response wasn't always, Yes, sir, ready to report for duty. In fact, The first person we'll talk is the Old Testament prophet Jonah. When God called him, said, I need you to go, Jonah said, I'm not going. I don't want to go. The answer was no. Here's what Jonah 1.1 says. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I've seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up, went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Jonah said, you want me to go to you go north to Nineveh? I'm going south. And if you read the book of Jonah, you find out later the reason why he did it was he was afraid that if he went and preached judgment to these people, that some of them were going to repent. And he hated those people, and he wanted God to destroy them. I mean, that's what it says. That's a real thing. And sometimes the reason that we don't want to go where God sends us to go, and we say, I ain't going, is because we don't like the people he's sending us to. I remember my very first ministry assignment was with a ministry called Young Life, an outreach ministry to high school kids. And a ministry position opened up in Houston, Texas at Memorial High School, and after and Debbie and I had just gotten married, I interviewed for this job and that's where God wanted us to go. Now what you need to know is, is that a few weeks before we got there to Houston, the cover of Life magazine, Life magazine used to be a really really big Magazine. I don't, I don't know if anybody even reads it anymore. Most people know of Life Serial, but this is Life Magazine. Uh, but the idea on the cover of Life Magazine, just a few weeks before we got there, uh, the cheerleading squad from Memorial High School, the school where we were going to do ministry, was on the cover saying, Meet the wealthiest kids from the wealthiest zip code in America. And that's where we were going. Now, what you need to know about me was I grew up on a farm in the middle of nowhere, put myself through college, and uh, I had worked as an engineer for just a few months before I answered a call in the ministry, and any extra money I'd earned, I used to pay off student debts. And so we were coming there, and Debbie and I were not the wealthiest people in America. In fact, when we got there, we were driving an old car because it was all we could afford, and uh, we're living off a, a very slim ministry salary. And I remember sitting there thinking I would meet these kids and some of them, I mean, my dad was a wheat farmer, and their dad was a vice president of Exxon. And for their 16th birthday, they'd get a brand new Mercedes. And, when they, and they'd have a Coke machine in their bedroom, like a real one. <laughs> and you just go, how am I going to relate to these kids? And I remember it was a real struggle I had because I didn't love them. They were snotty rich kids. I was a Kansas farm boy. I had nothing in common with them. And I remember praying about this and asking God to show me what these kids were really like. And I had a series of conversations with these kids, and even though they had the nicest clothes and the nicest stuff and these amazing houses they lived in, oh, my goodness, I came to realize that they were just like everybody else. They had guilt. They had sin. They didn't have purpose and their lives. Many of them were empty, and they didn't even have a family. And as I sat down and talked with these kids, God broke my heart. He called me to them because they needed Jesus, just like I did. By the way, here's a note. Has anybody else discovered it's really hard to run away from God? Yeah. Uh, David did, Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. God guided me to that position, and he broke me in so many ways of my presuppositions of the people who lived there. And he taught me, John, if I call you to love these people, you've got to love them. So Jonah said, I'm not going to go. But Moses, another prophet in the Old Testament, said, send someone else. I mean, these are real people. God called to Moses from within the burning bush. Moses, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. And the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I'll help you speak. I'll teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. I mean, that doesn't sound like a hero story. That sounds pretty much like ordinary people. Have I experienced that too? Oh, yeah. I remember um, when I was working at Fraser Methodist, that we would have a midweek worship service on Wednesday nights. And there was a Wednesday night worship service that I was in charge of the night before Thanksgiving. At the time, I was in seminary. Our kids were small. I was burning the candle at both ends, and man, I was just getting to the Thanksgiving holiday, just running on fumes. I'd be up late at night writing papers and things, and I was getting near the end of the semester, and I had some big papers due, and I, I just wanted to get a good night's sleep. And I remember finishing the service, it was like 7.30 p.m. on a Wednesday night before Thanksgiving, and I was locking some of the doors on the church building, and a homeless man walks in. And... Uh, he just looked terrible. He smelled bad. It was just, a, and he just looked like he hadn't eaten. It was, it was freezing cold outside. It was going to get below freezing and stuff, and he came in, and I said, can I help you? And he goes, yeah, I just need some help. And I said, well, let me see if there's somebody here who can help you. <laughs> and so Fraser's this gigantic complex, and I walked through that whole thing, and there was nobody else there. And I came back. Well, I guess it's me. I said, have you eaten at all today? And he said, no. I go, well, let's go get something to eat. So I went and got him a hamburger and fries and some other stuff, and as as he's eating, we're talking, and I can tell, oh, my goodness, this guy has all kinds of problems. And he seemed challenged even in his ability to articulate some thoughts and things, I was going, oh, no. And then I began to get really concerned. Well, it's going to get in the 20s tonight. Where are you going to spend the night? And he said, well, I got a place, and he told me an address, and I just thought, well, you better take me there because I don't, I know to think about where you're talking about. I don't think there's any place to stay over there. And so he took me out to this place next to this warehouse, and there was this big cardboard box, like a refrigerator box. He goes, that's where I'm staying. And I said, no. You can't stay in a cardboard box. And I go, you don't have any family around? And he said, yeah, I have a family. And it turned out that he had been staying with his family, but he had run away from them because he didn't like some of the conditions they'd put on him staying with them. And uh, I said, we've got to call your family. You've got to take me to your family. And so I drove him home uh, to where his family was. He couldn't remember the phone number, I don't think, or I couldn't get it to work. And, um, And so we drove to the house, and I went and knocked on the door. And a man opened the door, and I said, I have your son in my car. and..." I'm bringing him home to y'all and his mom and dad ran past me to the car and they grabbed him out of the car and they hugged him. They had been on their knees praying for two days. They didn't know where he was and they were so scared they didn't know what was going to happen to him. They thanked me and thanked me and thanked me for bringing their son home. I sat in the car in the driveway and just wept for a while. Lord, would you please send someone else? I mean, God brought that guy to me. And I was in seminary. I hope the irony is coming home here. God knows what he's doing when he calls us, by the way, and he doesn't want excuses. Oh Lord, I'm tired. Lord, somebody else can do this better than me. Lord, this really isn't my responsibility. I mean, I had all those. 1 Corinthians 1 26, Paul writes, remember, dear brothers and sisters, few of you who are wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you and said, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. He chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. He didn't call you because you're Captain America or Wonder Woman. He calls ordinary people And it might be something as simple as helping a guy find his way home. And he might call a farm kid to go and introduce some rich kids in Houston to Jesus. Because maybe I look at things in a way that will help them. So Jonah said, no, I ain't going. And he ran away. Moses said, please send somebody else. And the Lord said, I'm not listening to these excuses. I gave you your mouth. I'll tell you the words to say. Isaiah, right out of the chute, said, here I am. Send me. A third prophet, third response. Here's what happened. This is from Isaiah 6.1. It was in the year that King Uzziah died. That's about 750 years before Jesus was born. That I saw the Lord, he was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. Seraphim are angelic beings, and their name, uh, the name seraphim, means that it describes a burning. They are immediately around God's throne, and they are burning with holiness and purity and God's glory. These are fiery beings. Each having six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces, two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And they were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. And this is a powerful display of God's holiness and his glory. Then I said, It's all over. I'm doomed. I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips. I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I've seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. And then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal that he'd taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. And he touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. And then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. Now it's important for us to note a couple of things here. Isaiah was ready to go, unlike the other two, he was ready to go wherever God sent him because he'd seen God as he is. He'd seen God high and lifted up. And when you see God's glory and you see him in all of his power, well, how could I ever say no to him? It's also important to note that Isaiah was ready to go. Not only had he seen God high and lifted up, he'd also... Acknowledged his sinfulness and experienced God's grace. That coal had been on an altar, which meant the sins had been atoned for. And that's why he was made clean. He'd experienced God's undeserved kindness. And when he'd seen God's power, well, I can trust him with my life. And when he's experienced God's grace, after all he's done for me, I want to go. I want to play. Have I experienced that too? Oh yeah. I remember another time when I was in seminary class. I was I drive twice a week up to Birmingham uh, from Montgomery, and every year we'd have a Founders' Day at the chapel, and they'd talk about the mission of the seminary to train people to preach the gospel and to equip us for that. And they would always have a after they'd done that. We'd always sing a song. It's a song. It was a hymn written in like the 1850s called "For All the Saints." And the hymn is about the faithful service of Christians being obedient to God wherever he sent them, to God be his witnesses. And the last part of the song, it talks about when these saints die and they go to heaven after serving the Lord faithfully, they walk in through the gates of heaven with their arms outstretched toward the throne and they sing hallelujah, hallelujah to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And where I was sitting on one particular day, we had there were students in that seminary from all over the world. And I was sitting next to uh, students from uh, Asia and from Africa and from Australia and all this whole section of students like this. And all of us had our hands raised, and we were all singing this at the same time. And just for a few minutes, I had a glimpse of what it's going to be like to enter the gates of heaven and to stand in front of, of God's throne together with brothers and sisters in Christ from all over the world who have faithfully devoted their lives to him and that God is calling me to do the same thing. And I said, I want to be a part of that. Hallelujah. I want to play. And if you understand that, that's Isaiah. Here I am. You're amazing. Here I am, Lord. After all you've done for me, how can I ever say no to you? Send me wherever you want, to do whatever you want, whenever you want. Here I am. And this is what God wants for me. It's what he wants for you. He wants it for all of us so badly. If we'll just trust him. Look, a couple of things we can do to help us get there. I want you to hear uh, from Emma Wall. And Emma, why don't you come up here? I'm going to, while well, I'm doing this, but just a couple of things we can do to help get our hearts ready for this. First of all, you and I can spend a few minutes each day praising God for who He is so we can see Him as He is. We can do this. I've prepared for you in your outline there. And if you go online, if you join us online, if you go to centeringlives.com, you'll find an outline there but I've just given you a list of the titles of the Lord. King of kings, Lord of lords, titles of Jesus, wonderful counselor, prince of peace, light of the world. And I use this in my prayer life, in my devotional life, because so many days I am so in touch with all the things I need to pray for that I need to clear the deck and go, God, help me remember who I'm praying to. And sometimes I look up the verses where these are, and if you want to look up the verses, just there's this thing called Google. You can type it in, and it'll show you where these are. And then you can read it yourself. And sometimes I look up the passages and read on this, and I go, oh, God, help me see you for who you are. Because when I remember singing that song, standing there in that chapel, and the music ringing off the walls, and everybody singing in full, throat, full voice, the hair on my arm stands up even right now. I don't ever want to forget that. In fact, I want to stay there. I want you to be there. That we are a mighty throng of faithful, godly men and women who walk in praising Jesus and saying, thank you for sending us. And that's one way it can help. Recite who he is. I've got a list that's four times as long. I just put a little bit in there because sometimes it takes me a while to get there. Secondly, I can start a Bible reading plan and ask God to speak to me through His Word each day. God called out to Moses, God called out to Jonah, God called out to Isaiah. He spoke to him. Well, He'll speak to me and you through His Word, too. Sometimes I'm reading a story, sometimes reading a proverb, sometimes I'm reading a psalm or a prophecy, and something will be crystal clear. This is something I need to do. And it could be as simple as going across the street and meeting a neighbor who just moved in. I've never done that before. But the passage that I'm reading today says, Lord, I can trust you. It could be as simple as helping someone through a rough time in their marriage and just being a good friend who can listen. Lord, I don't know. I've, I've never been good at that. I'll help you. I give you ears. The word of God is alive and powerful. Sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. It'll expose our innermost thoughts and desires. That's Hebrews 4:12. I can also spend a few minutes in silence every day asking God to search me and then surrender whatever He reveals to be blocking His love. God, what are you calling me to do? I mean, that's when those thoughts of opportunities, this is what I might do, come. And I've praised him and listened to him. I've listened to him first. I'm very aware of what I need his help to do. And I'm supposed to pray about those things. That's why we read Matthew 7 first. But God wants me to listen to him too. God would tell us all, John, bring your requests. Bring them. But now listen to my requests for you. I want you to hear from Emma. Emma, come on over here. Emma is answering a call on her life and so uh Emma Wall and so Emma tell us what is God calling you to do
1: um I'm being called to go work for a college ministry in Nottingham England
0: Nottingham England like that's like Nottingham like next to Sherwood Forest right
1: yes they have a Robin Hood statue and everything
0: I mean there really is a Sherwood Forest okay um but so what will you do there
1: so I'll be a part of a team that will be helping provide a community for college students where they can just build genuine relationships, but they also have a safe space where they can talk about life, they can ask questions, and they can explore faith. And so we'll do this through large ministry events, but also small groups that they can be a part of, and a lot of just one-on-one relational ministry and building relationships.
0: And what's the need there? I mean, what, what's the spiritual climate like in Nottingham, England?
1: Um, yeah, there's a huge need. The UK, actually, like a lot of Western Europe, is considered post-Christian. So they've just seen a lot of decline in Christian values and spirituality, and this is especially true for young people. A lot of them are coming into college and they've never really known a Christian or a true Christian or had conversations about faith. And so they just really need people who are willing to come alongside them wherever they're at and to just show them what Christ's love looks like and also to just have something to place their hope in when life on their own gets really hard.
0: Yeah, because you were telling me that, you know, although there's beautiful cathedrals all over the country, it's mainly just like, Grandparents and a lot of these people don't even know anybody who goes to church anymore.
1: Yeah, it would not be uncommon to encounter a student there who just really doesn't have a friend or maybe even a relative who's a Christian.
0: So Nottingham, England, called to go there, but why is God calling you? How do you know God was calling you there?
1: So my junior year of college, I actually had the opportunity to do kind of like an internship with their campus ministry in Scotland, and while I was there, I really connected with one student especially, and we just would hang out a lot, just getting coffee, sharing meals together, and so one day we were just in this little cafe having breakfast, and A normal conversation turned into a talk about faith and about Christ's love. And from that conversation, we actually got to study the Bible together for the rest of the time while I was there with a staff member and another student. So it was really just that moment in that cafe, that one conversation that I realized I can do this and I really feel called to this ministry.
0: Did that surprise you?
1: Yes, it definitely did. I really struggled. I really wanted to have conversations of faith like this with students when I was at Auburn, and I just really struggled with it. It felt like something that I was not capable of doing when I would try to do it. I seemed to just fail at it, and so it was just a really cool moment for me in Scotland because I realized, okay, God can use me in this way. Like, I am able to do this.
0: Now, how long are you signing up to go?
1: For five years. And how old are you? 24
0: I mean has anybody pointed out to you that a lot of people your age get jobs, get married, settle down, start a family during that 5 year window from 24 to 29?
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it's something that I've thought about. You know, I always thought my plans for my life were to get a degree, to get a job, to get married, to start a family. And so this really shook a lot of those plans and it but I just I think even in that uncertainty, I've been really fortunate because that moment with that student, God really gave me a peace in this calling, and when I asked him, God, use me in this. And since then, throughout this process, it's been really challenging and overwhelming at times, but he's just reaffirmed that peace. And I don't know what the next five years will hold, but I just have come to a place where I trust that his plan is better than mine, and it's a good plan.
0: Can I get an amen from anybody on that? Yeah. Yeah, you can applaud that. <clears throat> now, hang on one second. I wanna, before, before we close this down, there's one other point I want to uh, make here, and there's one last point in your bulletin, and that's this. If we read the Bible and pray and praise God and then sit in silence, God will show us some things. But it's important that we can ask God to help us take one small step of faith each day too. Um, Zechariah 4.10 says, Don't despise small beginnings. The Lord rejoices to see the work begin. If I want to be ready for the big assignments, it helps if I'm being obedient in the little ones, like going across the street, like helping a friend, maybe volunteering at AICC or the Welcome Center, places that help distribute food and clothing to people in need. Maybe God wants to give me a whole new passion for reaching people who aren't nearly as well off as I am. Whatever it is, if we're obedient to whatever he's calling us every day, well, then when the big things come, we'll be obedient to that. we've gotten used to hearing his voice. I mean, you've even had to raise support for this ministry, right?
1: Yes. And things like talking in front of people, like <laughs> some big groups, some groups bigger than others, or even just calling someone up and saying, can I talk about this ministry? And can I also talk about maybe supporting me is just, it can be uncomfortable and outside my comfort zone. And so it's taken a lot of just daily little steps of faith to get to.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now, I wanted us to, if you'd join me here in the middle, I want us to stand side by side for a little bit just to remind everybody that God calls people of all shapes and sizes into the <laughs> ministry. There is no sign that says you must be at least this tall in order to answer a call from the Lord. There is no sign like that. And so uh, what's important is, is that we're obedient and we trust him. And so we're going to pray for you, and we're gonna pra- I'm going to pray for all of us right now that we will do that. Will you pray with me? Oh, Lord, today we've been talking about answering the the prayer or praying the prayer to you, Lord, send me. And, Lord, I'm grateful that Emma prayed that prayer and she's answering the call. I thank you, Lord, that our missions team is supporting her financially and she's got some more to raise on that. But, Lord, she's even being stretched through the whole process of talking to people. She's obedient to the little things while you're preparing her for the big things. And, God, I just pray that we will be that way. Oh God, I just thank you that you love us and you have plans for our lives. And Lord, we ask that you would stretch us and that we would not limit you by our perceptions of what we think we can handle. Oh, Holy Spirit, I pray that you will expand our capacity and you will work in each of our lives in a powerful way. Father, I pray that you will open our eyes to the purposes you have for us. Father, send us across the street. Send us around the world. Let us be people who just encourage somebody or send a kind note. Maybe that's the step of faith for today because we've not done it before. But Lord, I pray that we'll just be available. And God, that you would help us understand that one day we will be able to enter in through the gates of heaven, singing your praises. And God, that will be a day soon. And we'll join people from all over the world, every tribe and nation and tongue throughout history. And God, we want to bring as many people with us as we can. God, sign us up for that. We want to play. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, we surrender our fears. We surrender our insecurities. We surrender our plans because we trust you. Here we are, Lord. Send us. In the name of Christ, we pray. We ask your blessings on Emma. Amen.